On this episode of AV Week, Logitech launches a brand new soundbar and camera combination that also has Teams and Zoom already there. The state of the outdoor LED market and AV Nation brings you a brand new podcast on the AV market. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. 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 Is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 492, recorded Friday, January 22nd, 2021. Pixel Ping. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Kramer, AV Beyond the Box, and by Peerless AV, driving technology through innovation. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audio-visual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host, first and foremost. I'm doing uh, introducing her first because, well, she's closest to me, and she's wearing a Chiefs jersey. Go Chiefs. My, the lovely and talented Erica Williams from Henderson Engineers. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you. Happy New Year. I think this is the first time I've, I've seen Erica since the, the first of the year. So Happy New Year, Go Chiefs, and God help us. I hope Mr. Mahomes uh, recovers of all of his issues. So it's looking uh, good so far. I, I saw that. I saw that yesterday. So by the time this airs, we'll know one way or the other. Um, and just so it's been said, uh, I cannot stand uh, the Packers. So uh, go Tampa and go Brady. Yeah. <laughs> I actually do want to see him win because... He's the closest in, in age to me. And if, if he can do it at 44, God love him. Uh, or 43, rather. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, also with us, a uh, guy that I haven't seen in person for, for a minute, Mr. Hanan Averbuck from Prime View. Welcome, sir. Thank you so much. Been Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and last but not, not least, uh, a young man from Avixa that uh, we get to spend some time together and doing a podcast. And we'll talk about that at the end. Mr. Sean Wargo. Welcome, sir. Thank you, Tim. Always a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's get this off here. Uh, first story comes to us from our friends over at AV Magazine. Logitech is, quote unquote, raising the bar. It's a play on word because the story is about uh, sound bars. Um, one of the things that they're doing is they're, they're launching um, an appliance that is a, a PC-based uh, appliance that has a combination uh, camera and soundboard built into it. The thing about this, that it's, it's both Microsoft and uh, Microsoft Teams and Zoom certified coming out of the, out of the gate. Um, Erica, we're going to start with you on this. How important is it today for an appliance like this that, that's leveraging the soft codex systems to have the two biggest soft codecs uh, certified out of the gate as opposed to, oh, we're going to be a Zoom platform or oh, we're going to be a Teams platform and we'll get to the other one eventually? Uh, I'm biased because we're, you know, we're a Zoom shop and this is the kind of thing that we look for. Um, I, th I think it's super important because in addition to that, we also do Microsoft Teams. So, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You have to be flexible. Uh, so the, the ability to have a device like that that can run both systems is great because at the flip of a switch, you can go from one to the other without having to have a major impact on redoing your entire AV infrastructure. Uh, so I, I think it's super important. And it's nice to see Logitech get in the game with this. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head if the Poly Studio is dual certified or not, but I know that they also offer um, the same kind of thing, which is a soundbar with the camera that runs the, the application natively on the actual soundbar. So it's nice to see Logitech get into this and, and all the extra features that they offer with, with sync that have the, you know, the insights and the proactive monitoring and everything. It's, 
I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this. I'm excited. Can't wait to get my hands on one. Well, and the thing is, is, is I don't know uh, out of the box. I don't think that the, the poly was the thing about that, that makes this interesting uh, as opposed to other appliances in the past is, is you've had to purchase separate appliances. If you, depending on the infrastructure, it'd be depending on the, on the soft codec one. Right. And you mentioned it, you, you just at, at the flip of a switch, that I, I think is what's really kind of make this makes this interesting. So I think you're right on that. How often, really quickly, Erica, uh, inside Henderson or, or just talking to your your folks internally, how often do you think that happens where they flip between you know Zoom because you you mentioned the fact that you guys are mainly a Zoom house, Zoom and another platform, whether that is Teams or something else. I don't think it happens very often. Um, we we made the switch to Skype for business and we were only using that for three years before we made the switch to zoom. Oh, wow. So we, we were lucky that we were able to not have to take a hit with our, cause we were a polycom shop. So we have the group series. So we were able to change the, the, the provisioning and stuff without too much impact. Uh, but it was, it was only three years we were with Skype. So, you know, and, and if you think about it, a zoom contract is only three years. So after three years, if you're not happy with it, then you gotta be, you gotta be ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. Hanan, talk for a second about, you know, using and, and, and leveraging another manufacturer's platform. I mean, PrimeView does a number of things. You guys are, you know, the, the background, if you're not watching the video, the background is Hanan uh, at, uh, at the UN, I think it actually is, is, that, is that display. Um, but uh, you guys do a number of, of integrations with other manufacturers. So talk for a second about kind of the dance you have to do uh, with your platform, right, with your hardware and somebody else's either software or, or their, pl- their hardware platform and how you both have to kind of agree to come together to, to ultimately help the client. Yeah, so compatibility, operability is always a big thing. I mean, we had that issue when HDBST was originally bought, brought on board and it's been, you know, even moving faster now. And we'll talk about this probably a little later today about the IT infrastructure that Erica could allude to with NDI now creeping into AV as well. So these things are definitely here to stay as it relates to knowing how to operate with other manufacturers. And we went through a very, um, I guess you could say, you know, thorough process in vetting out a lot of these soundboard companies because what we learned when we launched our first like all-in-one LED back in November 2018, what we discovered is that some guy likes Innovox, some guy likes Sure, some, everyone had their favorites. And as we developed more than just audio and integrating with the video component, we had to figure out who's who. So we tested out almost every device. And quite frankly, Logitech was one of the most, I guess you could say, all-encompassing type of solutions. So we're actually, because of that like trade show issue now and COVID, et cetera, we are actually in the verge of opening up an experience center in Florida. And we actually single, basically we, you know, went to Logitech being the first na- like natural partner saying, what are you thinking about? And they're looking at this from a perspective that it's not just about video collaboration. It's not just about the conference room, the huddle room, the media rooms. They're talking about esports. They're talking about medical. They're talking about every vertical that you can imagine how it integrates with the display from a medical display on a cart to a presentation environment, to an esports stadium that has, you know, really high school little kids from local to Korea to Kansas City all have to communicate. So these devices are becoming more and more important. And how it integrates uh, seamlessly, seamlessly is even is definitely going to be paramount moving forward. So it's a big part of it, no question. Sean, as you look around to the the industry and, and you get feedback from integrators and, and end users as well as as manufacturers uh, from time to time. One of the things that, that keeps coming up, and, and I want you to talk about this for a second, in addition to talking about the, 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 the kind of the duplicity of, of this, having both Teams and Zoom, and that is the, the introduction of AI uh, software into the back end of a lot of these, including this, this particular uh, product by Logitech. 
as you're looking at what are they telling you as far as what they're looking for in appliances? Is it more and more AI where they can offload a lot of these these tasks and a lot of these um, you know, seemingly seemingly um, uh, monotonous, uh, repetitive you know processing where you know the, the computer system and the programming can take it off of their hands and start doing it kind of automatically with a hardware that's kind of you know using a soft codec system. Yeah, you know it kind of cuts into the topic that we've we've bandied about for years, uh, this category of managed services and how to get revenue extension off of um, beyond just installation. You know, we, we have sought or looked for opportunities uh, through time integrators have to not just be able to bring product in-house, but also get that recurring revenue off of continual service. And I think AI fits into that category. So it's it may start with just some remote monitoring, uh, some other capabilities to allow them to diagnose problems uh, um, from remote, all that sort of stuff. I think the next step of that clearly is an, is an AI opportunity, though I'd say it's still kind of nascent. You know, is there a solution? Is there a skill set on the integration side to be able to support is, is really the big question uh, so that there's a, a solid business model supported by resource, all of those kinds of things. Um, but having the technology there and uh, offer capability around it, I think is, has been something uh, the, the industry's talked about integration has looked for. And in all honesty, you know, we're talking about impacts of COVID and the requirement to do work um, from a distance and or change the way we do integration projects. Um, I think that the marketplace has been looking for uh, revenue models that aren't all about just uh, installation projects. So this is kind of in that category. Mm. You could add to that um, advanced analytics BI kinds of offerings. So treating these installations as data, data points and allowing them to offer some additional intelligence service to their, to their client. So all that's kind of here and now, even though we might've thought of it as, as future horizon, it's been pulled closer in uh, largely by necessity. So we'll see how the marketplace adapts to it. And I think it's still early days, uh, you know, even as a training and certification organization, adapting all that to that new normal and those new capabilities takes time. So uh, just the beginning, I think. Right, but really quickly, because you mentioned something there about, you know, kind of um, letting, um, you know, taking some of the things that, that current texts do uh, and, and letting AI do that. Uh, and this is a question for all, any of the three of you. Is there a danger here, or what is the danger here of of kind of um, supplanting what you know tech managers are doing now, or supplanting what you know maybe one level one or level two techs are doing now, you know, in favor of AI? And, and what does that do, you know, to the industry and, and kind of the education um, trajectory where we go? You know, to, today we can hire a 19, 20 year old young lady that and teach her how to you know, how to, how, to, how to build a rack, right? Or, and, and building a rack is a, a wrong word, a wrong example here because AI cannot yet <laughs> build a rack eventually. But, you know, to, to, to ping out a room, right? Um, or, or to uh, set an EQ. Whereas, you know, that would be, might be a, a level one, level two tech where, you know, in, in 10 years that might be uh, completely gone and, and they need to start out at what today would be a level three tech. What does that do to the industry and, and, and to the kind of the entry level uh, positions. So who, who gets that one first? You Whichever one of you jumps you in. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I can go. I, I think, number one, I think there was a great article uh, by our friend Josh Rago that talks about AV integrated liabilities, right? 
and the issues that revolve around that. And I think, you know, while everyone's trying to figure out how to do recurring versus non-recurring revenue, the reality is, is that there is a liability attached to these things. And how do you get the right personnel to monitor these things correctly from, you know, Erica's has, you know, guys she works with like Joe O'Reilly, right? They're, they're really smart IT guys that know how these things go and interconnect, but there is liability attached to these things. And you have to make sure you have not just the right staff, you know, but the right physical product that goes and does a lot of metrics. And when we, you know, on, on even our own company, we used to not provide a lot of those metrics. And what we discover now and something that we're doing actually in Q1, when we do an outdoor kiosk, for example, when we do an outdoor LED poster for large venue or esports or stadiums and collegiate sports, whatever, now we have tools that can ping down to the pixel, to the heat, the moisture, you name the detail. I'm sorry, you can ping down to the pixel? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And the All reason right. why we're doing that is because quite frankly, it's the end user doesn't know who's responsible. The integrator doesn't want to take responsibility unless he has information on hand. So what am I going to wait for? The, the, the integrator to create the next, I don't know, what AVISBL calls it the symphony product, I think if yeah. I recall correctly, right? For every integrator to create their own proprietary, I mean, that's you're talking about serious money to develop. So, I mean, we took it upon ourselves because quite frankly, we saw the need. And as these venues, you know, like Henderson is doing these large collegiate sports projects and esports, you need to make sure that you have all these metrics. And an integrator is not set up on their own right to handle all of that. It has to be shared responsibility from the design, the integrator, and the manufacturers involved. Because otherwise, everyone's going like this the same way we did when HDBC didn't work with this guy and that guy. And we're back to square one from eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think the key thing, that's, that's a great point. I think what it says to me is that this technology AI is less about replacement and more about empowerment or augmentation, right? So if you are providing an integrator with more data, more information to help them offset liability, deal with uh, the complications that come up, it's actually enhancing, augmenting what they're doing, not really replacing a staffer. Uh, the other part that I would mention, you know, we talk a, about, a lot about exceptional experience, integrated experience, all that sort of stuff. But at the, at the crux of that is the design element. And, and I think that creative aspect also is important. The, the techs we're talking about who bring years of experience, a creative approach, even ones fresh out of school might bring uh, something fresh out of college uh, from their electrical engineering background or whatever else they're bringing to the table. That's very, very hard for AI, at least as it's currently existing to do, is to bring a creative thought. They react to known patterns um, and that's kind of the way logic is, is formulated now. So they can deal with things that are say out of tolerance, flag it, maybe adjust, optimize, but likely you're still gonna need that, that tech sitting alongside it, the engineer to kind of figure out, okay, what do we do about that? Uh, how do we best solve for it? What uh, new technology, what creative approach, what design element do we need to bring in? So while it's a historical hand-wringing over automation, you know, factory went through this with bringing in robotics, and replacing personnel. I think if you look at it from a, an employment perspective, it tends to create other opportunity and enhance, augment what was there before. Yes, short-term painful as we then have to adjust. But in this case, we're talking about a capability that um, the organizations themselves may not have had fully built, built out. So this is adding something to them rather than taking something away is kind of what I'm uh, hearing Hanan uh, talk about as well. 
All right. Very good. Uh, next story actually comes to us from our friends over at AV Network. LG has released a new line of outdoor display, high brightness outdoor displays. A couple of, of pieces of, of, of tech here. 4 to 16 millimeter pixel pitch, 5,000 to 8,000 nits. And if you're not familiar with, with LED, I know Hanan is, which is who I'm going to start with. Uh, a nit is the brightness, not quite uh, what, what you would call lumen, but 5,000 nits is a lot. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Hanan, when you look at the at the market, you look at the outdoor market specifically, and, and, and really quickly, three millimeter for an outdoor display, three millimeter pixel pitch, and again, pixel pitch is the distance between each individual pixel, um, and three millimeter is really, really close for an outdoor display. Typically, it, it's bigger because of the the covering you have to put on on the on the LEDs. When you look at this market, what do you where do you see this market going as far as both the technology, but also going down? in the pixel pitch size to make it look more and more seamless and more and more like uh, a traditional display. So it's very interesting because if you look at the market, and this is something that most insiders don't know, 2020 was a disaster for outdoor LED manufacturers. Sporting venues slowed down, large projects slowed down. It was a disaster for outdoor LED manufacturers. Money factories, even US-based companies shut down production sites. So the interesting thing is, is in 2021, knowing that all those guys in the outdoor pivoted, right? And they went into indoor, even though that wasn't their business space, right? Now, if you want to get quality outdoor, because so many people shifted to indoor, it's a real problem. So when I look back and I see all the outdoor projects that we've done, and a good example I mentioned earlier is with the Henderson team, you know, across from Lambeau at the, um, the Brown County project, we did a, a, they requested there on an end user level, they wanted formula LED. And some other guys involved in the project said, well, we'll do a demo for six. They're like, no, we want four. We, if we're spending money to okay, do the But did they right, need four? I mean, it's the Packers, come on. Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. No, I know, listen, the reality is, is that if you're making a significant investment and let's just say the difference is 15, 20%, right? Yeah. On a hundred million dollar project, that's not going to kill it, right? And it's also, you know, from a future-proof perspective, you're at least a few years out and being ahead of the curve on technology. Yeah. But viewing distance does matter. I mean, we we launched our four mil LED, I want to say, uh, two years ago on the outdoor side. We're actually now below three mil on the outdoor. Um, and those are 7,500 plus nits also. Um, I think the outdoor space will grow, but you need to forget, you can't forget, the digital out-of-home market hit the brakes big time this past year. Because no one's going anywhere. Do, do you how how quickly do you think it's going to recover then? Because I mean, you, you're, <laughs> and, and I'm hang on, I, I'm I'm going to make an overarching statement. Let's say 2020 was a lost year, and the outdoor LED is not the only market that had a lost year in 2020. How quickly then are we going to recover? So it's a twofold answer. I'll tell you why. Number one is I'm told by digital out of home players, the big guys. Okay, they are now looking instead of a 24 month return on their investments, 36 to 48. That's a big difference. It's a huge, it's double, yeah. Yeah, so how do you go and justify you, the outdoor advertising agency, spending that kind of money if you're not getting it back that soon? So that's one answer. The other answer is we've taken a different approach to the outdoor, knowing the cost, you know, a lot of times it's cost prohibitive. We actually took a different approach to the all-in-one indoor, and we actually created a whole new category of turnkey outdoor solutions, turnkey from 150 to 600 inches, because we realize most people don't have the budget for custom. So if you're thinking 
that everyone's going to do outdoor because you need outdoor, that's not a good enough reason anymore. If you want to have an outdoor, you also have to make it cost effective and simple. And that's the big gap in the market. People want to release product for the sake of saying, I released a new product. Is there a need for 15,000 new soundbars? No. But if you're Logitech and you're adding to your soundbar portfolio, it's valuable. If you're a mic company and all of a sudden now you make a soundbar, guess what? You're useless. And there's about a half a dozen of those in the last six months. We all have seen them. But in the case of the outdoor, there has to, you have to be fulfilling a market need, not just launching a product because it sounds like a great marketing adventure. I think you're being kind with the half dozen useless soundboards. So just <laughs> two cents. Uh, Mr. Wargo, you're the one who looks at all the uh, market data in this. What are you seeing when it comes to outdoor uh, LED and outdoor displays in that market? Yeah, I can't disagree with Hanan about the just, you know, the brutal year that it was 2020. That's an easy thing to talk about now, just in terms of, you know, we look at digital signage as a whole category and uh, revenues there down 10%. Uh, and, and, you know, that's really going to depend on which part of the market you're looking at. Integration, clearly harder hit. Um, you know, some, so what the story was kind of consistent with Hanan's um, perspective is, the shift to say more but smaller. So a desire to, to uh, facilitate and support multiple touch points throughout a venue. What I'm intrigued by or interested in as we look at recovery, which we have said in our forecast that minus 10 roughly uh, in 2020, but a, a growth rate of about plus 10 as we look at 2021. What will be interesting to see is what drives that. Now, the question marks and, and assumption, there's a lot of them being made around timing of vaccination and uh, return to or feeling comfortable with returning to in-person activity, uh, whether and traveling. So that's hospitality, it's retail, all the core markets for digital signage and venues as well. So what I'm interested in, though, is are we going to see actually a revival of outdoor because it's easier to return to in-person in outdoor venue? Witness what we saw in 2020 with re restaurants putting up you know, extensions of their, taking over their parking lots and allowing us to sit outside. Unfortunately, it doesn't work in the cold weather unless you're willing to really, uh, to tough it out. Maybe the people up at Lambeau Field are willing to take on that risk a little bit more. <laughs> Just to Arrowhead, that a little bit more. Arrowhead Stadium, those folks, <laughs> that's some solid fans there. Nothing but fair weather fans and, and weird people with cheese on their head at Lambeau. <laughs> I'm sorry, where are the Rams now? Are they in LA? Or, or I'm a Chicago me. Bears fan, dude. I don't care where the Rams are. <laughs> Ahead, yeah. So, I mean, that's the question mark, though, is, you know, do we see more of that out of home, uh, digital outdoor kind of experience coming back as we try to uh, safely return to some more in-person activity in outdoor venues? Maybe so. Uh, does it mean big screen? The ROI question is a big one. I mean, that's an important point. If you're reduced capacity and therefore reduced revenue, you know, as a venue operator, are you going to spend for that big display or are you just going to try to create multiple touch points? Those are the the kind of question marks. Um, we do think digital signage looks pretty good as we go into 2021. We think there are parts of the world that are recovering faster. Uh, so that helps prop this up. India, China as examples potentially uh, there with GDP growth, good GDP growth forecasted. So, but the question mark is what that looks like and, and whether or not uh, we're gonna hit uh, what we had hoped for in terms of timelines on recovery and return to events, which would then of course fuel a lot of this investment going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Erica, we'll give you the last word on this. Hanan mentioned the fact that, that you guys, you know, put the, the wonderful LEDs at the fabulous and historic Lambeau Field. Yes, I said that. 
Um, but tell, talk for a second about, you know, walking, you know, whether it's, it's your internal clients or external, when you guys are looking at doing LED, what are you guys, you know, looking really kind of to accomplish and the kind of the pain points uh, or the problems you're trying to solve when you look at LED, both indoor and outdoor? Uh, well, that honestly is a little difficult for me to speak on. So the team that that did that worked with um, Hanan, that's um, our internal engineering team. Um, so I don't do a ton of stuff with them unless it's directly related to, to corporate. But I know that, you know, for in, in our environment, it comes down to digital signage, you know, if in, in advertisement and trying to sell ourselves, you know, if we, if we decide to build a new building or you know, do an addition or something like that, it, having external LED that we can use to, you know, create great displays on the outside or advertise the projects that we've done or, you know, anything like that, that is definitely something that you would look for. But again, like, like they've both said, it comes down to what, what's needed and what's wanted. And, and I also take into consideration the, the enhancements that you can make and kind of, you know, what can help us now and what can be future-proof. You use Arrowhead as an example. It costs a boatload of money to pay for parking to do tailgating. And a lot of people pay this money to go tailgate and they don't even go into the stadium. They just hang out. So why not take advantage of that to create some outdoor user experience where you've got these displays outside for all these people who are taking, who are, who are tailgating. So, you know, you're addressing the capacity issues where we can't, you know, have a ton of people in a stadium right now, but you're also creating a better user experience for the future. So, it, I mean, it's really hard to say. It's, it's just, what, what do people need? You have to create a product for what is needed or have enough foresight to create a product that is going to be able to be repurposed or enhance something later on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. And I like your idea about creating a, a, a fan experience outside the stadium. So, all right. Uh, that is going to do it for us. Thank you all so much. Mr. Uh, Hanan Averbuck from PrimeView. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Always fun. And how do people get a hold of you or PrimeView? Uh, definitely not phone calls or text messages or email. Um, those are impossible. Uh, the easiest way to get me is usually LinkedIn. Uh, those are things I do, you know, after I put my kids to sleep from, from nine to 11 is when I look at that stuff. So hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, Hanan, C-H-A-N-A-N, A-V-E-R-B-U-C-H. Easiest way to get me. All right, very good. Erica Williams, thank you so much. How do people like to get a hold of you or Henderson Engineers? Uh, you can check out Henderson and our awesome pro uh, projects that Hannah mentioned at hendersonengineers.com. You can find me on Twitter at haircutfw or LinkedIn. If you search Erica Williams, look for the one in a bright orange shirt. It's very bright. It's very orange. <laughs> and my hair is short. Uh, and her hair is short, which is it is not now. So, uh, all right, Mr. Wario, thank you, sir. How do people get a hold of you or Avixa? I guess I'll keep the LinkedIn theme going. So certainly reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, Sean Wargo there. Um, if you are curious about some of the research that we have, we're going to be updating forecasts going into the year. I know it's a, it's, it's going to be an interesting forecast period, but to look at it as, uh, at vixa.org uh, for more information there. Also, you'll see us tweeting out at hashtag Avixa Intel. Um, you'll, you'll find some snippets uh, from us on that hashtag through time. All right. Also, uh, Mr. Wargo and I are going to hang out about once a month. Uh, with a brand new podcast for Aviation called AV Insights, uh, where Mr. Wargo brings his uh, brain power and I just ask silly questions. So talk for a second about what we're doing, going to be doing, Sean. Sure. I think uh, great, great little podcast series. Um, definitely check it out. It's we, you and I, Tim, had a chance to talk to some great end user, uh, integrator, manufacturer perspectives across some ver vertical markets, hospitality, higher ed, 
et cetera. Um, so hopefully that'll be a, a monthly thing that we'll uh, roll out to you guys. Should be, what would you say coming in, in, in uh, pretty short order? Pretty short order. We'll be posting it at the third Thursday uh, of each month. So it'll be a monthly podcast. Um, we'll be tweeting out that as well. As so will uh, Alvixa. So you can check that out. All right, very cool. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters. Although at this point, uh, Erica and I are aligned because it's hockey season now. Uh, and the Blues are sometimes playing, sometimes not. It uh, depends on the evening. Uh, but go by the website, if you would, please, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. Uh, also, check out our, our sponsors, folks. These are the folks who help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week and all the others. Uh, this will post on Monday, the 25th. That means you have exactly six days, six days, yes, six days, to get in the final votes for the AV Nation AV Reader's Choice Award for 2020. All I can tell you is that the AV Professional of the Year is a hot and heavy one. There are a couple others that are runaways that I, it's, it's just embarrassing what the other, the other side is doing, uh, or not doing rather, but that particular one and a couple others uh, is a very, very hotly contested one. I cannot tell you who to vote for. I can't even mention who I, I haven't even voted yet, actually, so I should, I should do that between now and Monday. Uh, but go by the website, uh, check that out, and you can vote and let us know who you think that should be. Uh, the voting ends on the 31st. We will uh, we will announce it um, the second Monday. We'll try to keep it in line with when we would have to- technically done it around ISC time. But since there is no ISC uh, until June, we're still going to keep the, the kind of the same time frame. So about two weeks after after the end of the end of the month. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week.